Today we're carrying on in our series called Out of the Wilderness. The message title today is A House of Faith, Not Fear, and we're in Hebrews chapter 3. So if you've got a Bible, have a look at that. Just before lockdown started, when we were still meeting together properly, I I spoke on a Sunday morning and, and spoke about how Christians are called to run towards the plague, how throughout the centuries often Christians have run to the plague, not away from it, and the impact that's had in terms of the witness of the church, the witness of God's people, and uh, even often at great personal cost, Christians have run towards the plague rather than running away from it. Since then, we've seen 45,000 people die from the coronavirus in the UK, but when I talked about how we should run run towards the plague, I spoke about just trying to keep in mind the bigger picture of the reality of death. Just some remind you of some of those figures. So each year in the UK at the moment, we'd expect 70,000 people to die of respiratory diseases. We'd expect 140,000 people to die this year from cancer. And of course, actually, that figure might be even higher this year because of all the people who haven't had treatment because of not going to hospital because of coronavirus. We'd expect 160,000 people to die from heart disease, and on and on it goes. So actually, there's a far greater death toll enacted upon the UK population each year from all kinds of other things than there is from the coronavirus. Now, it seems to be be becoming increasingly clear that there shouldn't have been 45,000 deaths. There have been more deaths than there should have been, largely because care homes weren't properly provided for and all kinds of mistakes were made there early on in the pandemic. But we should be rational, try and be rational when we think about what is going on and how it has affected us. And uh, we probably all think we're very rational people, but actually we human beings often act in very irrational ways. Think about Uh, My neighbours who used to live across the road from us, when they were going on holiday, they would always half shut their curtains. The curtains weren't properly open, they weren't properly shut. And uh, the kind of logic there was, well, if a burglar comes by, they'll be confused about whether we're in or whether we're out because the curtains are not shut and they're not open, so they'll be confused. Of course, every burglar knows that anybody who has their curtains half shut is away on holiday. It's just an invitation to a burglar. It's actually a completely irrational thing to do, to leave your curtains half open, because nobody does that if you're actually in the house. They're either open or they're shut. It's been fascinating how before coronavirus, we couldn't get through a day without hearing somebody talk about the evils of plastic, and especially single-use plastic. And since coronavirus has struck... I haven't heard that at all. All I've heard is, we want more plastic, more single-use plastic, please, more plastic face masks, more plastic PPE, more disposable stuff. And actually, rationally, the impact of long-term environmental degradation, species loss, and the rest is, long-term, a much more serious problem for us as as, as a human race, but kind of rationality takes a back seat. The official government estimate at the moment is that 0.03% of the population of England and Wales have the virus. That works out at about 1 in 4,000 people. And here in BCP, thank God, the infection rate is even lower. Throughout the whole of the coronavirus pandemic here over the last four months, there have been only 186 deaths from coronavirus in BCP. Last week, only eight cases registered in BCP. The rational reality is that if we all ate a bit more veg and did a bit more exercise, there'd be a greater impact upon our health than what the coronavirus is likely to do to us. At the same time, last year, 2019, 
This country saw the highest number of abortions since the Abortion Act was introduced in 1968. 207,000 abortions happened in England and Wales last year. There's no lament, there's no public lament for that and all the tragic stories behind that seems somewhat irrational to me. I think we need to get a better perspective on risk and the statistics, the fact that only one in 4,000 people has the virus. Those kind of statistics should help us to be rational at this time. In 1 Corinthians 10, the passage we've been looking at the last couple of weeks, the Apostle Paul speaks to the church in Corinth and says to them, I speak to sensible people, I speak to rational people. And we, we need to be sensible, we need to be rational at this time. The reality is that with the infection rates as low as they currently are, it's statistically almost impossible to contract the coronavirus in BCP. Praise God, long may that continue. But I think we need something more than just rationality and analysing the statistics. What we need, and actually what we have in Christ, is faith. And we have to move from fear to faith. Fear is so debilitating. If you live your life in fear, whether it's of the coronavirus or anything else, that is absolutely crippling. Now, we called this series out of the wilderness, and we're using the example of the people of Israel. And the people of Israel were called to be a people of faith, but far too often they gave in to their fears, and as a consequence, things went badly wrong for them. Now, we have a higher calling, and this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3, verse 1. Holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. This is a passage about a house and the kind of house that we are called to be. And houses are things which we value. We value houses economically and also emotionally. And very often the houses that we have become something far more important than just the bricks and mortar out of which they're made. Last week I was talking about the dangers of idolatry. And actually I think those of us who own houses, our houses often are the thing which can become the idol of our lives. It all becomes about the house, about keep making the house look better and better or getting the mortgage paid off as fast as possible or planning the move to the next house, all that kind of stuff. It's uh, an easy area to, for us to fall into idolatry. But there is a house, says here in Hebrews 3, that we should be faithful to. And when it talks here about a house, really it's talking about a household. There's been lots of talk about households over the last four months. Some 
People are here today as households, which means you can sit together. Being in a household means that you have a different status than if you're not in a household. And the house, the household that is being spoken about here is where you have God's presence and God's people. And throughout the Bible, we see that being worked out in different ways and in different places. At the beginning of the story, the Garden of Eden, that's a kind of a household as God is present with Adam and Eve. We see it in the story of the people of Israel as God is present in the tabernacle and then the temple and the people gather to worship him together. And this house really matters. And the writer to the Hebrews says here that we are the house of God if we hold firmly to our confidence and hope. If we are people of faith rather than people of fear. And what the writer does here is to contrast Moses and Jesus. Now Moses was the greatest leader that the people of Israel ever had. He was the one who led them out of slavery in Egypt into freedom to the promised land. But Jesus is far greater than Moses. And the Israelites have Moses, but we now have Jesus. And Jesus is the reason and the means by which we can be a faithful house, by which we can be a faithful people. So let's think first about what Moses was like. He was the greatest leader that Israel ever had. He was specially chosen by God, commissioned by God, and sent by God. He was a man of extraordinary vision. God gave him this vision to liberate a people from slavery and bring them into freedom. He was prepared to suffer on behalf of those people. And you see that again and again in the story, that Moses suffers uh, for the people. As the people make mistakes, God, uh, Moses stands between them and God and pleads to God on their behalf. He's the one who is able to represent God to the people, and he's able to represent the people to God. He's the ultimate in-between, between God and the people. And Moses was faithful, and it says here in Hebrews 3 verse 5, he was faithful in all the house. There was no area in which Moses failed to be faithful. Uh, most of us, even if we're diligent and disciplined and all the rest, we, most of us have one or two areas where we have less discipline and less diligence, where we are a bit selectively sluggardly. Moses wasn't selectively sluggardly in any area of his life. He was faithful in every area of serving God, in every area of the house. There were no cupboards in the house which Moses left uncleaned. There were no uh, gutters which he left full of leaves in the, in the autumn. He, there was no area of the house in which he failed to be faithful. He was faithful over the whole thing. And his greatness was a consequence of this faithfulness. It says in Hebrews here that he was a reliable witness. He spoke faithfully about the God who had made himself known. And this meant that Moses had incredible access to the owner of the house. It tells us in Exodus 34 that Moses would go and talk with God like a man talks to his friend. 
And Moses would then come out of the presence of God with his face shining with the glory of God, shining so brightly, actually so terrifyingly, that Moses would have to cover his face with a veil so that the Israelites weren't terrified by the reflection of God's glory on Moses' face. There was no one like Moses. But then think what Jesus is like. It says here in Hebrews that he's our apostle and high priest. Our apostle, this means that Jesus, he's the pioneer. He's the one who is, he's leading us to the promised land. And he's high priest. He atones for us. Jesus has suffered in our place. Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, carried our sin. Moses stood between God and the people. He was the ultimate intermediary between God and his people. But Jesus is a far greater intermediary. Jesus has suffered in our place, and Jesus is calling us to share in his glory. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes this, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Jesus Christ. In Christ, we have this hope of a heavenwards call, of a great goal, of a great prize. Jesus is exalted in heaven already, and he's bringing us to share in his glory. Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land. Jesus leads us heavenwards. And this book of uh, Letters to the Hebrews describes that. It talks about how we're following Jesus, our leader, into divine rest, a place of rest. For many of us, this has been an exhausting season. We're looking for a rest. We're looking for Sabbath. Jesus is the one who is going to lead us there. It says in Hebrews 11 that he's leading us to a homeland, to a better country, a heavenly one. Doesn't that sound good in this crazy world? Doesn't it sound good to think of a a better country, of of a homeland, of a household to which Jesus will lead us? It says in Hebrews 12 that he's leading us to the heavenly Jerusalem. There's a great city and a great inheritance and a great destiny for the people of God. And so Hebrews draws this contrast between the great Moses and the even greater Jesus. And it says that Moses was a servant, but Jesus is the son. Moses was faithful in the house, but Jesus rules over the house. Jesus is the builder of the house. He's the architect, the designer, and the cornerstone of the house. And he's building a good house. He knows what he's doing. Jesus is no bodgy builder. He's no dodgy architect. Jesus knows exactly what he's doing, and he's building a wonderful house of and for his people. Now, the Israelites had Moses to lead them, but they still messed up in the most horrific and unbelievable ways. They didn't follow Moses as they should have done. They weren't faithful in the way that he was. Too often they allowed fear to drive them rather than faith. And the fear they experienced led to them grumbling against God and rebelling against God and to disaster. Now, we don't have Moses. We have Jesus. And how much worse would it be if we're not faithful to Jesus. It was disastrous for the Israelites when they weren't faithful to Moses. How much worse for us if we're not faithful to Jesus? And so we are called to live by faith and not 
fair. We're called to be faithful. Let's think about some of the dangers of fear. Of course, sometimes fear can be useful. If you're crossing the road and you see a truck speeding towards you, you're meant to feel fear. That's a useful emotion. It helps you get out of the way. And sometimes fear can be appropriate. We're told, the Bible teaches us, that we're to fear the Lord. There's to be a fear of the Lord, a fear of God, a, a reverence towards God. But fear can be so destructive of the household of God. If, if fear stops us acting with faithfulness, if we don't obey God because of fear, if our fear of something, whether it's the giants in the land that the Israelites perceived as they were meant to be coming to the promised land, or maybe it's fear of the risk of failure, or maybe it's fear of the coronavirus, if our fear of anything is greater than our fear of God, that can lead us into ruin. If instead of running to God and running with God, we end up running from him because of our fears, that leads us into disaster. And that's what the Israelites did. Despite the faithfulness of Moses, the Israelites gave in to their fears and were not faithful, they were faithless. They slipped again and again into idolatry. Rather than trusting God, they said, oh, we'll trust something else instead. We'll, we'll set our own agenda rather than following God's agenda. God asked us to do this, but we're not going to do that. We're going to do something else. God's asked us to do this, but it looks too costly to obey him. What if it doesn't work out? Let's not do this. Let's not do it his way. You know, it's so easy for us to fall into fear. The tragedy is actually, you can often see, you can see churches where churches have become more governed by fear than by faith. And you know what happens to those kind of churches? They die. Let's not let that be true of us. The motto of Dorset, who's afeared, should also be our motto. In God, we're not to fear but we're to have faith. So what does faith look like? It says here in Hebrews 3 verse 6, it's about holding firmly to our confidence and hope. We're to hold on, hold fast, take a grip on faith. Genuine faith perseveres, it doesn't give up. Genuine faith is in it for the long haul. It's persistent. It's determined. Genuine faith will see you lash yourself to the mast in order not to budge rather than to give in to fear. And as members of the household of God, we're called to help one another to hold on. I don't know about you, but over the last four months, there's certainly been times in my life when it's felt difficult to hold on to faith. And I've needed my brothers and sisters around me to encourage me and speak faith to me to help me to hold on, to hold fast. We need that. We need to speak faith to one another. We need to build up the house of God. Read the story about the Israelites. What they often did was talk themselves down, not up. They talked themselves into cynicism. They talked one another into grumbling. They talked each other into fear. And it's so easy to do. It'd be so easy for us to do that now. We could talk each other into fear. We could talk each other into cynicism. We could talk each other into grumbling. Or we can talk faith to each other. Speak faith. Help one another to hold fast. Another thing that faith looks like is being bold. Hold on to your confidence. Hold on to your boldness. Hold on to your courage. 
And it's really important to see here that when it says this, hold on to your confidence, it's not confidence in ourselves. It's not self-confidence. It's confidence in God. I know that I'm utterly inadequate in myself, but I know that he who has saved me is fully competent. And in him, I am able to find a confidence which transcends my own inadequacies. And this means that we are to grab hold of courage even in the face of fear because he is able to give us courage. Those of you who are doing the community Bible reading, if you're reading Ezra 3 this morning, you might have spotted this verse, Ezra 3.3. It says, despite their fear, despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord." The people of Israel had been away. They'd been dragged from their own land. They'd been in exile in Babylon. Some of them had returned to Jerusalem and they started to rebuild the temple and they were surrounded by hostile peoples who hated them and wanted nothing for them but harm. And so they were afraid and they had good reason to be afraid. Their fears were well-founded. But despite their fear, they built the altar and worshipped God. They chose courage. Now, we need to choose courage at this time. The reality is that, I know, many people are still very afraid of what's happening with coronavirus. The reality is, at the moment, in BCP, those fears are, to be honest, unfounded, basis, not rooted in rational reality. Whether our fears are around that or whether they're around anything else, what we need to do is to find our courage, hold on to it. Despite their fear, they built the altar and worshiped God. And then we need to hold on to hope. And Christian hope isn't wishful thinking. Our hope has content. Our hope is all that God has promised us. It's the glory and honor that are ours in Jesus. And so we need to hold on. We need to hold on to faith. We need to hold on to our courage. We need to hold on to hope. And we need to move from fear to faith. Think what a great leader Moses was. We read actually that Moses was scared when God called him. Moses was afraid. He was afraid of leading. He was afraid of public speaking. He was afraid of Pharaoh. He was afraid... But he overcame his fears as he laid hold of God and he was faithful in God's house. And then think of Jesus, who was faithful even to the cross. And we're called on this journey from fear to faith with him too. We're called by him, we're called for him, and we are empowered by him. We're called to be faithful. We're called to be the house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Amen. Let's be faithful to that. Amen. Lord, I pray for us that we would hold on to faith and hold on to courage and hold on to hope and Lord, whatever things it is that would cause us to fear at this time, whether it's fears about the virus or whether it's fears about the economy or fears about what's happening in our domestic situation, 
whatever it might be, fears about potential job losses with all that's going to happen, fears about what's going to happen with the kids going back to school and how that's going to work after the summer, all the things which are pressing in and crowding in on us at the moment, all the things which are causing us to feel anxious, fearful, worried, all those things which can lead us to let go of faith and and, and give in to grumbling and, and look away from you. I, I pray that rather than doing that, we would speak to ourselves, speak to one another, speak to you. We'd lay hold of faith again, hope and boldness, and that we'd be found faithful as a household of God. I pray for us at Gateway Church that we would be characterized as being a people of faith rather than a people of fear, holding firm to you and your word. This I ask in your name, Jesus. Amen.